Hey everybody, and welcome to another live author chat uh, on my BookTube channel. Today I'm joined by the amazing RJ Barker. RJ, how are we doing today? I'm good. I'm a bit. I'm better now. You said that I'm amazing. I always. <laughs> it's nice to have a bit of a bit of a bit of an uplift. <laughs> Four o'clock on a Sunday here, yeah, but much earlier for you, I presume. Yeah, it's uh 10 a.m. Not, I mean, not too early. I mean, we already wake up oh, six o'clock every day, so. Oh no, that that makes me feel tired just thinking about it. <laughs> That's what coffee's for. <laughs> yeah, man, we uh we we live off Nespresso in this household, so. <laughs> so so yeah, so you say it's four o'clock, and I know we talked a little bit off here, mm. but. Uh, it's it's particularly dark in your room, and I think you said it, it was uh, it was pretty much pouring a sea in where you're at right now. Yeah, yeah, the, the sea is falling out the sky here, and, and it's and I, I am in the sort of back end. This room's massive, and I'm in the sort of back end of it, but there is lots of light around me. But this is the dark, darkest bit of it to go with my personality. I'm absolutely yeah. terrifying. As scary. <laughs> Yeah. Famously fun, yeah, horrifying. Famous. Yeah. I've got some fun things. Because look, there's the Reverend Bingley here, who's a beaver with a tea set. Um, so the, and there's, there's a picture of a rook just behind me, which my wife drew as a present. So there's lots of cool stuff around still. And a Yeah. I think one day, uh, it might not be today, but like one day, we actually just have to have a tour of your home. Like you need like a Cribs episode where you just like walk around pointing out stuff in your yeah. home. <laughs> now, the thing is that I've, what people don't realize, they see these pictures and think, oh my gosh, what, what a lovely house. But it's that view is carefully curated. So you can't see all the mess from a 10 year old that also lives here. So you're just like, ah, I'll leave everything everywhere. And it's okay. just you're just saying from like all the blood like seeping through the walls or yeah. something. Uh, oh, no, I don't, I, oh, no. Ooh, I'm really squeamish. You wouldn't think it from my books, but I can't, really? oh, yeah, I can't watch anything to do with hospitals or anything to do with gore. I'm, I'm gone. Are you, like, to, are you like terrified of like syringes and stuff? Like if you see like a needle, does it like make you cringe? No, no. Cause I think, I think it's cause I've, I've, I've spent so much time in hospital. I have to inject uh, myself with stuff every two weeks and, and uh, I just don't, I don't want to see it. I thought, oh. No, my wife loves stuff like that. But I've never liked blood. I'm like, uh, so. <laughs> Messy. You can have that. So I guess, I guess, uh, horror movies aren't really your thing either, especially all the uh, the the you know the splatter pump type movies. No, I watched a lot of them when I was sort of young, sort of Nightmare on Elm Street and all, all of that, just because it was taboo. And at some point, I just thought, actually, don't enjoy this, do you? No. <laughs> No, maybe I, I won't watch these anymore. Maybe I'll watch things that I like. Yeah. So, and what what type of movies uh, d does R.J. Barker like? Um, I think my favorite film that I've seen for a while was Arrival. I thought that was astounding. Um, that just blew my mind. That was wonderful. Um, anything with the Muppets in it, I'm there. Um, <laughs> uh, I like. I've not seen his latest. I've not seen Jojo Rabbit, but um, Hunt for the World of People, and most of the stuff Taika Waititi does just clicks oh, yeah. with the fume. So Yeah, I've, I've got uh, I've got Jojo recorded. I think it just came on HBO last weekend, so I'll have to I'll have to check it out. Yeah, well, I I need to see it first because my little boy. We watched Hunt for the World of People with him, and I'd forgotten it's quite sweary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just ignore those words, boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th those are those are special words that you get to use yeah. when you're older. <laughs> he sits and bleeps them out. It's quite good. He sits and goes bleep. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I, I guess I need to start uh, getting used to is uh, pre pre watching movies and TV shows that my daughter can then watch. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> and curating curating the music you play in the car. Ah. Uh, which is great because Rage Against the Machine had you can't play Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> you look, you look like you'd be a big fan of Rage. I, I quite like Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, I like I like lots of stuff. Though. I'm quite an eclectic person musically, but um, I, I've like really angry or really sad music, and I'm neither of those things. So I think it's just like a surrogate emotion for the ones that I don't really feel much. So I, I need to need to have those. 
I feel like you're a pretty eclectic person, period. I don't think it's just music. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I like lots of, I get, I just get bored really quickly. I think that's the, the thing. So I, I need new things all the time. So I can't I'm surprised you write if you get if you get bored seriously because I mean you write trilogies, don't just write standalone series. You know, you know, you yeah. finish and you're like, oh, I'm bored with this. I'm gonna go to the next thing. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very ready to move on by the end of the third book. Really, I, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done, and I, I want to stop. And uh, that doesn't mean I like, I like get halfway through and think, well, it's all a dream. Done. Um, I, I want it to work, and I want it to all come together. But I also I very much want to do something new by that point. I'm yeah, kind of, and I feel I never feel any desire to go back and redo things yet. Yeah, I do have an idea for one one thing, maybe one day, but I'm not going to attempt it. <laughs> you, you you don't want to talk about it in case people start clamoring your you know at your door for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think it's so. You should do that. And then my editor might go, "People want you to do that." And I go, oh. Shot myself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then you're gonna rack your brain for months trying to find out exactly how you want to start it in. Yeah, it's a. Uh, let's let's. I'm generally a going forward person, which is is how. I mean, I you don't want to write like 35 novels about Girton and Morello. <laughs> no, it's my nightmare. It's it's, it's, it's just to have to do the same thing. Uh, I know a lot of writers do that, but the weird thing is. If I was writing like a crime series, I think I could do that then, writing the same characters again and again. Oh, and again. Because yeah. that's a different thing in my head. It's really weird. But when with fantasy, because you have the opportunity to make up loads of new stuff and create your own rules, that's the bit I like. So by book three, you, you kind of, you're boxed into your own rules by then. You can't start just, well, you can, but people complain. You can't just sort of say, yeah, and, and then they turned into butterflies. You go, well, that's not been telegraphed at any point. You can't just do that. So you have to write a new thing if you want people that turn into butterflies. So that's, but by the third book, I'm feeling quite constrained by by what I've still like being told what to do, even if yeah. it's me telling myself what to do. So so that's why I'm, next thing, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I have to know why would they turn into butterflies? I mean, obviously, this is this is all. I don't know. Though, but. <laughs> it's, it's the first thing that came into my head. I mean, to be honest, with what I'm I'm playing about with, it's more likely they'd turn into squid because that that's squid. I think squid are going to play a big part in what I do next because I'm quite fascinated by them. It's Adrian like, Tchaikovsky. Giant squid, giant squid, small squid, medium squid. <laughs> Intermediate size, um, all the squid, and just they're definitely there's going to be squid, but they're, they're not going to be underwater, they're going to be land squid, I think. Big, big ones, small ones, some as big as your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't get it, we don't get enough land squid, so I think it's about time they had their, their moment. In hope my editor stop watching, she's just gonna it's, it's about time you take all the all the land animals and throw them in the sea and, and take all the sea yeah. animals and throw them on the land, right? Big squid with antlers. That's, that's oh my gosh, please. Yeah. Anything with antlers, just bring it. <laughs> I got them into the bone ships because the keys, I don't use the word antlers, but it's definitely in the description of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah. Always with the antlers. And I, and I, I, I will say, I'm a, little, I'm a little disappointed that your, your background is not covered in them right now. I've got the, hey, the, the shirt. The shirts enough. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're there. We're not actually. I could. I could just sort of. Oh, hang on. That way. There oh. we go. Whoa. There we go. <laughs> and I, I managed not to show any of the mess left by my boys. It was quite clever. Solid. Solid. Yeah. Solid dad work right there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, all right. So, cause I know we're going to get into a lot of like crazy talk throughout the rest of the chat that we haven't already gotten into. Um, but, uh, since I haven't actually had the opportunity to find out more about you, you know, granted we've only really chatted on Mayday Con with four other authors. Um, tell me a bit about yourself. I, I want to know who, who is RJ Barker and how did you get to this point in life? <laughs> Um, so 
I, I, I just kind of wandered about until I ended up here. I think it's the best, the best description. I, I left school with no qualifications because I was going to be a rock star. That was my, I was quite sure of that. But I, I was never very good at playing instruments, which held me back a bit. And um, <laughs> but I, I, I've always wanted to do something creative. And when, when there's kind of a serious point to that, because when, when I was at school, I, I've always had a book. I loved books. I've always read constantly. Um, it just never occurred to me that I could write books when I was at school. And no teacher ever, even though I was really good at English, never said, you, you could do this as a job. And because of music, I saw kids like me, who were quite sort of working class, going and doing that. And, and I wanted to do some creative. That appeared more realistic to go and do that. Where it, if someone at school said, actually, you could write for a living, maybe I'd have been putting out books since I was in my mid-20s rather than much later. Let's not talk about my age. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, eventually I, I stopped doing music and I decided I would write novels. But the problem being, because I'd not exactly been to school, I didn't know any of the things about how to write a book. So I had to teach myself English, basically, from, from scratch. Because I'm really stubborn. I couldn't go somewhere and have somebody teach me. I had to teach myself. Um, and I got really ill, which got in the way, and I had to do it again. Um, and, and then I sold a book. It took a bit. That, that's quite a truncated version of it. There were a lot of jobs I hated along the way that I had to do because I needed to eat, which is really yeah. unfortunate. But um, but that, that that's it, really. I just wanted to do something creative. And when when I finally realised I was rubbish at playing guitar, um, <laughs> uh, then I thought, right, I'm going to go back to something. I'm going to try and write a novel. And I didn't, because I'm, I'm really lazy, I decided I was going to write a novel and I was going to be published by one of the big publishers. Because otherwise, I would do the easiest possible version and be like, oh, well, I've done that. And I'd probably have chucked out a self-published book with a minimum amount of work. And then that would die because you have to do a lot of work to get a self-published book. All the self-published authors that are doing well, they work really hard, much harder than I do, I think. Um, <laughs> and then that book would have come out, no one bought it. And I'd have gone, oh, well, that, that didn't work and done something else. So I had to set my goal unrealistically high. Mm-hmm. Somehow I ended up there, which still seems quite unlikely every day. So, is it really happening? So, sometimes I, do, I do occasionally email my agent and go, is this all real? And he goes, yes, yes, it is. Go back to writing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I say some, sometimes you just actually look and go, I actually have a completed trilogy. I've completed my second, not published all three of them, but completed my second. And now I'm looking towards the future. Does it feel real? I don't, I don't really think about what I've what I've written. No, that it's really weird. When a book, by the time a book arrives here, I'm I'm bored of it because um, it's an, <laughs> it, it's an old thing, and I've done it, and I can't change it. It's it's not not under my control anymore. So it just goes on a shelf, and that's it. And the only time I ever go back to stuff is to to do a reading or something like that. So I never really think about that, but I do think wake up constantly and think. I write for a living. This is mad. This is what it, it, it makes no sense. It just seems completely unrealistic. And it fills me with joy every day. When I, first, when I first started writing and I first got a book deal, a much older author said to me, oh, it seems exciting now, but in a couple of years you'll be jaded and you'll hate it. And that's just never happened. It's just wonderful. Every, it's like, sometimes it's hard, but it's not as hard as doing eight hours in a call centre. At any point, yeah. or it's not destroying. So, no, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm incredibly lucky to be doing what I'm doing. And I know it every day, so I'm never going to moan about it too much. I'm on a bit. <laughs> are, you, are you just like slightly jaded? Now, I will say, I mean, I've yeah. I've spoken to, I mean, just a, I think I think I'm on, you know, like 65 authors. We'll say in, in the past mm. year. And not a single one has ever said they're tired of writing. I, I find that very rare that you get to a point where it just becomes work. I mean, yeah. unless, unless you know, you're just having the darndest time coming up with your next novel idea or getting through the, your current work in process, you know, progress. I feel like 
most writers who write full time, and even some that have a full time job and write, you know, maybe publish a book every year or one every two years. I feel like everybody really enjoys it, except yeah. for the having to get in front of a computer or in front of a piece of paper to actually start writing. <laughs> I feel I feel like that's that's the part that gets you know frustrating. I don't think you, you become a writer unless you actually enjoy the, the act of writing to to the point it has to be slightly obsessive. I think. Because when you start off, the odds of getting anywhere are so tiny that, that you have to be doing it for yourself and for the enjoyment of doing it, which is really annoying. There should be a better way of doing it. There should be some way of doing apprenticeships or, or whatever, but, but there isn't. So you, you have to have that kind of, well, I'm, I'm going to do this no matter what, is, and, and I'm going to commit to it. And, and it just happened for me it worked out i have no doubt there are better writers out there who it hasn't worked out for and it seems kind of unfair it's but such is life just to get over yeah. it <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really sorry but i'm not going to swap no matter how much better <laughs> It's kind no, of selfish, I mean, uh, you, you're talking about you're talking about like apprenticeships and stuff. I mean, you can just uh, be a ghostwriter for James Patterson. That way, you always have an instant bestseller, right? Yeah, <laughs> but that people joke about stuff like that, but I couldn't do that. I, I know it's really. Sometimes you'll see, I'll say, oh this, oh, this book is really simplistically written, or something like that, and that's a skill because I, I can't. I couldn't write a James Patterson book first of all because you get a lot of rules which. As soon as somebody says you can't do this, my first immediate thought is, well, there must be some way that I can do that. Um, let's break gonna... the rules, RJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and also I I'm I'm a very voicey writer and I, I don't I couldn't roll that back. I don't think I could roll sort of and something like James Patterson is not voicey, it's very flat. It there's no, no barrier between you and the story. And yeah. that's a skill in itself. And I have a lot of admiration for people that can do that. I have friends yeah. that go, right? And, and they do a lot. Again, they work a lot harder than I do. Basically, I've got my perfect job. It's I'm quite lazy and I enjoy doing it anyway. Because if I didn't, <laughs> I'd just stop. I'd say, oh, I don't like this, can't be bothered. <laughs> okay, well, the, you keep telling me that you're lazy. How, how much do you write a day? <laughs> Because it seems like you have to write a pretty good bit. Because I mean, you release you know a book a year. Mm, I write it's more, I write, but uh, yeah. you write a pretty good bit. I write between one and two thousand words a day, um, which isn't a tremendous amount. I've got lots of friends that like write lots more than that in a day. Um, but touch wood, it's quite an accurate one or two thousand words. Like I know writers who will write a novel and then will effectively re have to rewrite it. Where I don't, I write a novel and then I, I don't think any of my books have changed a massive amount between me finishing it. And I think Age of Assassins probably changed the most, but the others they've been quite similar to what I've written, which is it's because I'm I'm really lazy. It's taken me a long time. <laughs> It took 13 years to get anywhere and 13 years of being of getting nowhere. But mm. I've kind of I've evolved a way of working that works for me because I have, I'm, I have a limited amount of energy per day. So I have to make it work for me. So I think maybe that's in my head. But it's probably, I'm not sure I'd tell other people to try and do it this way. I don't think it's <laughs> <laughs> most of the stuff I've heard is uh, is write everything down and you can cut it out later. But uh, I, yeah, I don't hear many writers that say that they they write their fairly precise, concise novel mm. and then go, "All right, editor." <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't cut anything out, and and anything I write that, that causes a problem, I look upon as a challenge, which is <laughs> which is see, I, I don't know. <clears throat> how many people watching this will have read King of Assassins? Because if you've not read King of Assassins, this is going to spoil it for you. So just like skip ahead five minutes. Um, or just don't listen if you're on the live stream. I can't see if there's any questions or anything coming up from the live stream because I'm, I'm not on the YouTube thing. But um, <laughs> so, so, so if people are asking questions, David, tell me and I'll try and answer them. But um, oh, yeah. 
they they ride into this big castle, and underneath it is is a souring, which is created by people using magic, and it's meant to be the the seat of the anti magic police, for one of a better description. And I wrote that. I thought, well, that makes no sense to everything you've written. Why would why why would that happen? I'd not planned it. It was just, and it just, I just wrote it down. I thought, oh, that's a massive problem. And, and a little voice in the back of my head went, well, you should delete that sentence because it doesn't make sense. And then the rest of my head went, nah, yeah, <laughs> let's let's do it. Let's see what let's see where that goes. And it ended up driving the entire plot. So I kind of I embrace every. Every fortuitous little accident. I think that that's it's all like it's like a crossword puzzle. It's all these little bits, and you have to try and find ways of fitting them all together. And yeah. touch wood, so far I've managed to do it each time. This is so much hubris because I've not got edits back for the last Bondship's book. I could be about to get back a letter that just says RJ just. The whole thing needs redone. <laughs> <laughs> RJ, we're going to have to push out your publication date. You need to read this entire book. It makes zero sense. <laughs> yeah, I think this was coming out in 2025, 2027, hmm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no. Jeez. And there really haven't been too many questions you were asking. Uh, but most of the uh, comments have been uh, squids versus stags or uh oh as antlers so uh you haven't missed a whole lot but uh, squids versus stags is an age-old question that many have never managed to to you know sort out which, which is best you know squids are quite soft so antlers do a lot of damage but they're also quite maneuverable so mm, difficult I, i'll i'll find out hopefully my next novel which is a long way off for a reader but I say we've got yeah we, we've already got a uh, who would win uh, between Zeus and an ab, uh, a, let's see arboreal squid. <laughs> oh, oh, he, Zeus would win every time because he's one of my favorite things. So, so it doesn't matter about rules. I just him. He would win. That's <laughs> cool. Right. I like. Him. Yeah, Zeus, Zeus and Zeus and. Uh, you know, he's it, going to win every time. He's, he needs to be yeah. in every book somewhere. Yeah, just, just hiding in the background. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. somebody looked through, like, a copse of trees, and there's this, you know, <laughs> there's this antler sticking out. Yeah, that's that's probably the, the anime version of Age of Assassins would just be Adventures of Zeus. Not a, yeah, him. just read a comic. Yeah, he, he just sit about all day because he's <laughs> really what he does and then gets very angry. Every yeah. Time. Yeah, just kind of hangs out, you know, then gets some pets and then gets really, you know, pissed off. Disparaging looks. Mm. Goes <laughs> his eyes. Mm. All right, but just, just to let you know, I mean, this this uh, this uh chat's going to be safe, so uh, you're going to have to write something about squid. Just to let you know about, about land squid. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's, it's in my head, so... It, it's. I, I like squid and octopuses, but Adrian Tchaikovsky has done octopuses um, in Children of Ruin, which is a superb, superb book. Um, so I'm hoping I can get to squid before he does. <laughs> you, you never know with Adrian. He's very prolific. <laughs> <laughs> I say he's he's already, he's already cornered the market on spiders too. So he has spiders, octopuses, most insects. He, he's he's there. So. I mean, I've, I've, I've got the large antlered land mammals. They're mine. But um, <clears throat> squid might end up in a fight. I don't know. He lives quite near. Does he? Oh, does he? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd sell tickets if, uh, if you guys decided to do it now. Who gets to write about squid? <laughs> uh, it'll be hysterical. We'd both just run away. I'd still pay to see this. <laughs> <laughs> so you can watch you both like run away from each other along the street. Um, Matthew Cavanaugh asks, "What's the most surprising thing about being a full-time author besides being able to be lazy?" <laughs> yeah, I, th I, th I think I, I I always approach everything with no sort of preconceptions and just think, right, whatever happens, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to just do as much as I can and enjoy it. I think I know my wife was surprised by the amount of stuff like this that I have to do. That she thought being an author would involve me sitting alone, um, crying maybe, um, feeling sorry for myself, maybe taking laudanum. That, that's an, 
having a less handkerchief and that's something. But you'd um, <laughs> be surprised by the amount of doing stuff we have to do, like the conventions and going places, doing readings. Um, and I'm quite lucky because I, I really enjoy it. I love talking to people like you and I like doing readings and and all of that. So I think that could be quite a surprise, especially if, if you're coming to North and you're quite quiet. You might be a bit of a shocker. You have to yeah. not. But if you're a bit of a shell off, like my wife, uh, <laughs> not not me, um, <laughs> that, that, then it, it's, it's all right. And copy edits. Just, just I didn't realize how hard they are. Really yeah, so, yeah. Get, getting back all the all the lovely comments and red lines and <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mind. I don't mind all that. It's, it's just um, it's really odd because different writers, like I, I have friends who who copy edits are really easy for because they they just go through accepting it because they don't write like me. But because I write in a very inflected way, and a copy editor's job is to put it right as to how it should be technically correct. Um, there's a lot of copy editing that I have to say no, no, no. So it's like really intense and to sit and concentrate. And I'm not good at concentrating. It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's not a thing I do much. So I, that's that's quite hard for me. It's quite it's quite nice when you get a copy edit clicks though. When I was doing Call of the Bun Chips, the copy edit that had really clicked with the text, and that was quite relatively easy. But good stuff. I have to know how, how you get things done. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about being lazy and then <laughs> you're like well, i can't concentrate on this so <laughs> i generally I, I get bored because I, I start kicking around in this house so i don't have much else to do i'm very careful not to buy exciting looking video games just before an edit drops because that, that's that's a lethal i had to remove just, elite just dangerous least, least procrastination even yeah. more procrastination. <laughs> yeah. I had to remove Elite Dangerous from my computer because that's just too, too much fun. Flying spaceship around is too good. Um, and Ghosts of Tsushima is not allowed in the house till um, the last Bone Ships book is gone, and then I can play it because that, that's like I like that sort of thing. There's a lot of samurai influences in the Assassin books, but kind of low key, but they're there. <laughs> And I, uh, and I love doing it. It's not. It's not work. That's the thing. It's not. If it clicks into being work, when I have an agreement with my agent, we never refer to it as work. We refer to it as writing or do that thing, but we don't have to say work or career. They're, they're bad words. We don't think about those. We just do, you, do, you even, do you not even use the word full time? Do you just do you just say author? <laughs> so yeah. that's not like a job. Yeah, professional author. That sounds quite good. There you go. Yeah, because you can be a professional author without actually writing anything. You can just have one book out, but you're still a professional author for the rest of your life. Then. So wait. So if I wrote like five words on a page, my professional author. If you get paid for it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If if my mom gave me a dollar for writing a page, professional author. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Uh, you're, you're in there. Because I mean, yeah. if your mom loves your work, then that's all that matters, right? Yeah. But famously, everybody's harshest critic, their mom. So, yeah. yeah. Nailed it. Yeah, Joe Ever probably said that his mom reads uh, every single one of his books. She's the first one that reads them. It, you know, all the good, fun, gory stuff and all the swearing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my, mom, my mom listens to all of mine on audiobooks. And uh, she, she said the best thing ever about them. Um, Blood of Assassins. She went, it, it was very good, but I don't think I'd have finished it if I had to read it. So thanks, Mom. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and put she's that very, as a word on that cover. Yeah. She's very funny as my mom, so kind of, I, I know what she meant. Is that where your humor comes from? I feel I feel like you're you're a very humorous person. Uh, yeah, in my family. You know, probably, you know, social media and stuff, so... Mm -hmm. And my, my, my wife's funny and my little boy's quite amusing as well. So it's it's all it's all around us all the time. And, and I'm not I don't take life very seriously because it's quite grim a lot of the time. Do you don't want to get into that? Just skirt over the top of it. Try and enjoy it as much as possible. Uh so kind of uh some some questions that kind of branch off one another. So one asked uh the release date for Call of the Bone Ships. I've got November twenty fourth. Is that still currently yeah. the 
Okay. It's Faris Mike's current 24th to 26th. And there's been one review so far in um, Publishers Weekly, and they were very positive about it, which is good. Fantastic. And then uh, Tom Parker, of course, wants to know if there's going to be a map in it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a rubbish map in it, Tom. It's just, oh. it's a lot like this one, actually. I'll show you. I, 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 he's, are they about 40 seconds behind us? <laughs> It's no. right on. <laughs> there, there we go. There Rubbish. Rubbish. Yeah. Oh, it's complicated. Somebody paid to put that in the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to find you. Oh, I know the people who don't know, um, Tom Tom is my friend, and, and he did the maps and he did the, um, the beautiful chapter headers. In, yeah, Tom, Tom is an amazing artist and does some fantastic work. And I'm pretty no, sure. No, no. He's amazing because he, he might oh, put his prices yeah. up. Uh, and, uh, and I won't be able to afford him. Tom, keep your prices down. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a very competent artist who, who we, we, we cope with. <laughs> he's lovely. He's one of my favorite people. Uh, is, is Call going to have uh, the chapter headings like uh, the Bone Ships did? Yeah, I'll have more. Tom, when we did the first book, he, he did 12 of them so that there's four in this one and then there'll be three more added for call of the bond ships and then another three added for the final book so you'll get the, the proper sort of spread of them for that one i was hoping that i'd we'd be able to sort of key each one to events in the chapters but it turned out to be it didn't quite work because it, it it would have looked a bit weird you'd got sort of the same one three times and it, it just felt a bit weird when you did it you could have just like altered it a little bit. Uh, that's a lot of work for time. Like one, you know? yeah. Oh, but it wouldn't spring for that. They'd be like, no, no, that's enough money already. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, all right. So my next, my next question, uh, cause I could just see this chat going on forever. Um, cause we can just ramble about squid and fights with Tchaikovsky, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> who are some of your writing influences? I mean, you know, you can even say some that, you know, now, uh, since you've been writing uh, for the past several years, or even maybe some of the ones, you know, you grew up reading. Um, I, I grew up reading a lot of whatever was, was about in the house. And, and a lot of, um, lots of classic fiction, like Jack London and um, Dickens and all, all of those sort of things that you're told to read at school but I really I'd read anything with words in um I think my biggest fantasy influence is CJ Cherry she wrote some books called the Chronicles of Morgaine that just blew my mind when when I read them in that they weren't immediately accessible you had to work to get into them and, and I liked that and they just kind of um expanded when you got into them into this amazing world uh, and they're definitely a huge influence on in what I do. And then a lot of writers that are out of genre influence me because I really like um, James Lee Burke, who, who writes crime. Um, he writes very beautiful books. Robert Crace, who, who writes crime thrillers. Um, C.J. Sansom, who, who writes historical fiction. Um, it's quite odd when people talk about the Assassin's Trilogy and say, oh, I can see the influence of Robin Hobb. Um, and, and I love Robin, she's brilliant. Um, and they're talking about this sort of sense of melancholy and doom that's in the Assassin books. It's kind of everything is going to go wrong feeling. Um, and that's actually CJ Sansom who, who is who does that as well. And, and it's come from that that side of it. Um, and Patrick O'Brien, I love Patrick O'Brien. He, he's an astounding writer. Um, there's a lot of what he does is in the Burn Ships, Master of Command, stuff like that. Um, it was Cormac McCarthy. I recently read Blood Meridian. I read The Road, well, I started to read The Road a long time ago and gave up because I didn't like it. It was a bit miserable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, that's the happiest book ever written. I don't know what you're talking about. And then someone said, try Blood Meridian because it's cowboys and I like cowboys. So I read Blood Meridian and that's, that's quite an astounding book in its use of language. And I never want to read it again. I also really liked it in a way that he, he writes 
the events are deeply unpleasant, but the way he writes is very beautiful, which I think I think has kind of set something going in my head. I'm not suggesting I'm going to write a Cormac McCarthy novel. That's not not ever where I'm going. Um, <laughs> who else? Uh, who I read recently? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. I, I did a podcast yesterday with with a few other writers, uh, and I was saying that I, my actual reading has dropped off massively over the last couple of years because it it's partly that. I have a limited amount of energy and a lot of time it comes down to write or read and I choose to write because we need to eat, which is useful. Um, but but also I can't switch off that bit of my head that's going, what what would you do? What would you do to this? And a lot of pe- writers have said to me that they go through this at some point where you kind of can't ever quite settle into a book. So I have just started reading um, Full Dark House, the Brian and May books mm-hmm. by... Name has gone out my head. Oh, I can see the covers over there, but I'm, I'm, I've kind of, I look quite relaxed, but I'm actually, <laughs> I can't actually get out without a lot of messing about because there's wires everywhere. <laughs> and, over there, and, and I'm enjoying that because I, I love a detective book. That kind of, I like the puzzles. That, that's that's really what, what gets me. So, yeah, so that's kind of snapshot of my reading history. And a lot of, um, I read quite a bit of poetry as well, not in a couldn't name any poets way, but kind of the books come through the house and I read them and then they go off to other people. Yeah, I, I find it kind of interesting that uh, that you write fantasy, yet none of the books you mentioned were fantasy. <laughs> like, because your your movie influence, <laughs> your, first, your first writer influence were both science fiction. I'm like, yet you have not written a lick of science fiction. <laughs> no, well. I, I always thought I'd be either a science fiction or a crime writer because they they tend to be the things that I, I choose to read. And I did write a science fiction novel. That was my first novel, which didn't didn't sell. Um, and then I had the idea for Age of Assassins, and it only worked as a, a fantasy book. And I'm not – I have no allegiance to any particular genre. It's not how I think. I, I don't – I think about stories and people, and that's what interests me and, and – when I talked with my then agent, it was a different agent, I did talk about writing crime. And he said, well, you've got an imagination. It's a pity not to use it. So I thought, well, okay, I'll write science fiction or fantasy. Because I'll write anything. I like I like writing. And, and it just happened that Age of Assassins was the one that stuck. So then I kind of, but I'm probably, I'm, I'm coming at fantasy maybe from a different angle to a lot of my fantasy friends who are coming from, very firmly this is this is their fantasy is their dream but fantasy is one of the number of things that that i read i could have gone either way and maybe it will you, will you ever, uh, what was that? you hear that yeah fireworks either fireworks or we're being invaded <laughs> this could be a really dramatic podcast if we're being invaded oh my gosh <laughs> but i have I, I should stress that I have read a lot of fantasy. I like I've read um, Robert Jordan and, and um, all, all the kind of eighties and nineties classics. I read all of them at the time because I was doing a job I hated in the library was near, so I'd come out of my job and I'd go into the library and I would just sit and read. And I read through the entire fantasy shop Jordan and, and I read all of Piers Antley stuff, and um, that's where I discovered C.J. Cherry and, and 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 all of these people. So it's not like a I'm waltzing in going, I can do this. I'm, I'm quite familiar with the genre. Yeah. It's just that my, my, I'm quite a cyclical reader in that I will obsessively read a certain thing um, and then move on and read another thing. Like when I was finishing the Assassin's Trilogy and, and writing this, um, have you heard of Robert B. Parker's Spencer books? They actually did a, a really bad Netflix version with Mark Wahlberg recently. Um there's like 47 of those, and I read them, and they're, they're all the same. And then I loved them. They're like sweets. I just And I just read each one all the way through, and that, that was kind of in a really obsessive manner. I'm going to finish the series. So that, that's so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a flibberty gibbet. You say good words. So, so is, your, uh, is, your, is your science fiction novel ever going to see the light of day? Are you going to self-pub it? I don't know, but I went back to it because um, I thought it'd be quite nice just to take a break and 
and not be writing for a bit. So I went back to it and decided I would kind of just it up. And I loved it at the time. And I still think there's some really good ideas in it, but it just, and there were publishers interested in it. It was kind of a, it, it was sort of that far from getting published. And then the editors that liked it left their publishers. So it kind of didn't end up being. Um, kind of got, kind of got left purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> I just wasn't quite as involved with it as, as it didn't click with me in the same way it had when I wrote it. And, and I didn't feel like I wanted to go back to it. Maybe in a, in a couple of years, I, I will go back and reuse some ideas from it or, or mm. write a new thing. The other writer I should have mentioned is Adrian Tchaikovsky's uh, <laughs> Children of Time and Ruin are, are offensively good, Adrian, if you're watching this. You're just saying it in case you guys actually do have to duke it out for squid. <laughs> yeah, he, he knows how good I think they are because I, I, I always I see him every so often and I always just sit there because that book is so good. And I've got um, Doors of Eden here, which I've not read yet, because, as I said, I've been really slack about reading. And I'm reading Full Dark House. And then I've got the new James Lee book um, to read. And then I'll read Adrian's. Is that the Thompson Cathedral? Is that the Burke novel you've got? Yeah. 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 I love those books. No one does sort of looming violence quite like James Lee Burke does. But yeah, and then I'll read Edges and Taddy Thompson's work as well. I really like. I love uh, Taddy Thompson. Oh, yeah. Horrible. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It, it, it's it's quite upsetting to have good Taddy. <laughs> I know. And I, and I feel like I feel like like not many people talked about it when they were coming out. Uh, and I just, I mean, I just devoured them every single time I got a. Yeah. The Rosewoods, and then um, Making Wolf, his crime novel, is really good as well. Yeah, I think, uh, isn't it being, I think, re-released by Hachette this year? Uh, actually, I think it's already out. Oh, was it already out? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, um, although I was going to say I got a copy from them, but I didn't have to buy one, because they're really mean to me. That's, that's meant to be the one plus being an author, you get free books. <laughs> well, I'm going to have a copy of this, but I just never turned up, so I bought one. But I don't mind doing that. I kind of, uh, yeah, rude, rude. <laughs> his, uh, his Molly Southbourne uh, novellas are pretty good too. I don't know if you've read those. I mean, they're completely different. It's obviously in science fiction, but yeah. they're they're a bit more horror-y, aren't they? Though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd be scared. So, maybe um, there's there's a good bit of blood in them, so maybe. Yeah, no, too scary for me. I don't mind <laughs> gore in books. It's really hard, but it's it's when it's on TV. It's like, um, so you've written some fantastic characters. Obviously, Girton Clubfoot uh, is one of my favorites in your uh, Wendy Kingdom series. Uh, who is one of your favorite characters in the books that you've read? Um, oh, favorite characters. I, I really... I, it's, it's spoilery if you've not read the entire Wendy Kingdom series, but um, you, you will know... Which character I'm talking? There's a character who, whose arc I didn't see when I was writing it, and I, I just really I like him. He makes me laugh, um, and I like uh, I like Rufra in in them. I like Gert and I, I love Marilla. Marilla's she was kind of what the book always revolved around. Um, I, I always kind of think Rufra's really badly served by those books, uh, and I think I could write those books again from his point of view that would make him a much more heroic figure. Because he, he's it's the King Arthur story, really. That's, that's what those books are. Um, in, in, no one seems to have noticed that. I keep, I keep waiting for some, oh, this is the King Arthur story. No, no, um, now that you've said it, nobody's going to say it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, and I, I think you could write a version. that I always try and keep that in my head. Could I write this person as the hero if I had to? Because I think that makes makes people more interesting if you do that. And then in the bone ships, um, I really like the Galem. It's, it's, it's when, when I say I, I like what I'm talking about really is I enjoy writing them. They're, they're the one that I will put into, if I, if I feel like I'm slogging, I'll put that character in because I know suddenly it will all pick up. Yeah. Galem works with that because it's odd and it's angry. And it does weird things, and it makes me laugh. So, 
<laughs> so that's why it's just oh, I've got to watch it. I put him in, and then, and then her or it. We don't know. It's, it's, just having a slow writing day, throwing a glen. <laughs> yeah, and it just sort of brighten everything up by, by doing something unpleasant, probably. So this is what you need to do. You need to pull a Stephanie Meyer like she did with her Twilight book, a decade later from a different point of view. It's the same book, but just from somebody else's point of view. Just do that with the Winning Kingdom when you. I don't, I, I don't think I could ever actually do that. Even though, even though it's, it's in my head written that way, I don't. I think I just get really bored. Short story. <laughs> just yeah. condense it all into a 150-page novella. <laughs> I th there's definitely, there is in my head a Wounded Kingdom novella that I keep meaning to write <gasps> about, and I will one day, about Marilyn before Gerton. Oh, my gosh. Don't, don't, don't you dare. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I'd, I'd quite like one day, but but I'm I'm more sort of focused in on new things, and and I don't kind of to distract myself from writing when I'm because when I take a holiday from fantasy, I write other things. That's none of it's been published, but I write other stuff as well. So there's they're all swimming around in my head, all these different characters that are not ever talked about. How, uh, how many how many unpublished books do you have currently finished? Finished. Um, if we include the science fiction one, there's three that are in a publishable state. Are they all standalone? Um, science fiction one is. One of them is, and the other one isn't. I'm kind of halfway through it. Another one that I'm look at you. They're my hobby though. They're my hobby books. Yeah. I have one I have one with my agent that I'm really annoying him with at the moment by sending him an email every week going, Have you read it yet? And he emails me back going, Well, I'm very quite busy. I have lots of clients. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> read it for me. I'm your only client. Read my book. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, so, but I, I that's, that's what agents spend half the time just going, I will get to it to all their clients, I'm quite sure. He just tells me I write too much. It's like, I'll eventually get to it. He says, I write too much. You want to figure out which you want to disappoint, which others you want to make happy. It's it's a really hard. Yes, and it's always me who disappoints. I'm, I'm very, very badly treated, Ed, if you're watching this. I just spend my days in tears. Can we see? So sad. That was my sad face. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, can't can't do it though, Mylon. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so you said that growing up you wanted to be a rock star, and then you decided to write instead. Have you just decided to continue with the? hair and the outfits and everything because i mean you still dress up you know you still dress like a rock star you still look like a rock yeah star. i, th is it just, I think is it just like i mean to live the life of one but write books this is just kind of me this is just the way i look so i think there's a there's a real i think people can tell when, when you're like dressing up for for a part, like if you're playing, yeah. a part, if I was, playing. yeah, I, and I'm not. I look like this all the time. I, I, I don't get up. Like, if people talk about fellow, go get up and I spend all day in my pajamas. I don't. I get up and I put on Cuban heel boots and and, and and all of this. And generally, I might also wear a hat. Um, I don't know, but but I always wear like this. And and my wife is the same. She always looks the way she looks, and we we. One of the disadvantages of looking like the way we look is everybody you meet remembers you. And because we meet a lot of people now and I have not got a good memory. It's really hard because everyone remembers you and I don't remember anybody. And I have to kind of yeah. just say, I just I don't even pretend anymore. I just say, can you please tell me where we met? Um, if you <laughs> to say that, it clicks. I think, all right, now I know who you are. That, that's that's worked. But it, And it's always been, but we've always been like that. Kind of, we'll go into a shop that we've not been into for like four years, and oh, good to see you back. Oh, we've been here before. <laughs> but yeah, it's not. I, that, I remember walking by and looking in the window, but I don't actually remember coming in here. Yeah. 
<laughs> there's there's no there's no conscious decision to to put on an image. This is just yeah. what I what we feel comfortable in. So it, it's yeah. No, I was just I was just curious. Um, yeah. you know, I've, I've always you know every time I've spoken to you, seen you on social media. I mean, even you know your author pics and everything. You know, you've always had the long hair and everything. Yeah. I assume that you have always dressed like that since you know yeah. you yourself. Um, I was just curious if you know if that was maybe kind of like the image you kind of kept after, you know, while wanting to be a rock star and then going into the writing thing, you know, just, it just kind of continued. It wasn't, you know, not, not that you're dressing up, but you know, <laughs> that you just kind of kept. I think the probably when, when I was in bands, I was actually a bit more turned down than, than I am now. Really? Because yeah. Cause it, it, it wasn't sort of mid to late 90s, early 2000s. People would just like look at you and go, "No, you can't. You, you're like from the 1980s." Um, <laughs> see, see, what are you doing with your glam rock nonsense? Yeah, so so probably a little bit more turned down than I was, and and not being in bands, I kind of just became a bit more flamboyant, which is probably more true to me. And then getting a book published and having a little bit more money just means I can buy more stupid clothes. <laughs> I, I've got a really, really yeah. yeah. I've got a really ridiculous fur jacket that I've just never had the opportunity to wear one day. If I ever properly win an award, I'm gonna wear that jacket. That'll be the, the you could have worn it today. You could have worn it today. Just it's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hot. Wait, it's mad. <laughs> uh, it's actually I do wear it in um I did a video for Orbit. Where, where I had to do me before my book deal, asking me after my book deal questions, and I wear I it in that. that video. Yeah, that's that, that, is, that is a massive jacket. <laughs> mm. I love I love that jacket, but I, I think the other thing is I, I'm quite I'm sort of quite aware of how ridiculous I am, which is it, it pleases me, and just do things that make you happy. That's what I've always tried to do and what I still try to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with being memorable. I mean, you know, every every time I see just just the the side view, you know, just the uh, of, your, of your face and your hair, kind of like a uh, you know you've got on your other foot. I'm like, I automatically know who it is. Like if if I even saw you walking down the street, I would know exactly who you are. Uh, what's that? RJ, what? Yeah, <laughs> going, going for my dinner. Who was that? And it'd be somebody we met sort of five years ago. <laughs> it's really you get like phone calls from people you met once who've seen something they think you would like because they remembered what you like. Who? Who are you? How do you remember that? But it works because we get some really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, there's a lot of comments saying uh, how great your orbit video was. So I guess you need to do another one. Maybe 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 uh maybe second trilogy RJ needs to talk to first trilogy RJ. Well, I I've got to do one so I can wear my tricorn. Exactly. So I do. There I do you go. Need to. Yeah, I'm I'm but, sure. Oh, but marketing department are currently thinking of things for for Call of the Bone Ships for me to do because they have this strange idea that I'll do any ridiculous nonsense. When I'm a very <laughs> serious author, actually, literature. So serious. Things, so, so, so big serious. things. Never, never laughs, always, you know. No. Always. Dower. Really yeah. Dower, that's the word. It's, it's, it, uh, it is. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I just think it, it, it probably is weird for people who come across me first via my Twitter or watching me on something like this to then go and read my books, which are not like me at all. <laughs> They're kind of like, oh, this is quite hard. Right. <laughs> not very nice. So. There, there is that kind of oxymoron going on. Maybe well, like you're, you're now being asked if you have any highwaymen and call the bullshits. <laughs> <laughs> There's no highwaymen, and they don't think uh, this is because I've been going on about this for ages. Yeah. <laughs> highwayman hat, not a captain's hat. Captain's hat is a bicorn with two points. This the tricorn is for on land. It's keep oh, so it's, it's Jack Sparrow's fault. Popularized the tricorn for pirates and 
<laughs> I'm not saying some of them didn't wear it, but traditionally, you, you kind of it's more of a highwayman. You thing. have to do your you have to do your research so you know these things. You do, yeah, yeah. You're you're you're, you're, you're now you're now you know uh you know all about it now. So uh, you're an expert. You're an expert. <laughs> famously well researched, as everybody knows. I don't just make up whatever comes into my head. Never. Never. No, fantasy fantasy novels are never made up. Um, no. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned the glam earlier, um, and it's obviously one of my favorite parts and a lot of people's favorite parts about uh, the, the first novel, The Bone Ships. Can you tell me about their creation and kind of, you know, are we going to be able to see more about their origination i guess um or maybe their history yes. in the next four books yeah you'll find out a lot more about them in the second book um because we we meet a lot a few more of them and and we learn a bit more about their society and, and how they work um and the the origination story is what about how they came about um i, I love this because it shows you what absolute thieves writers are um, i have a friend i have a friend called matt and we we meet up from play badminton and he's very very forbearing he lets me talk stuff at him while we play which means we really don't do much badminton at all because i'm not good at running around basically we just stand there and i talk at him over the net and then occasionally he'll send a shot across my way and i'll, I'll miss it because i'm rubbish um, <laughs> But, but I was talking to him about this world and how there were wizards who could control the wind and all the animals were birds and there were no mammals. And as we were coming out, he said, I love the idea of those bird wizards. And I was like, no, no, all birds, wizards who can control the wind. And by the time I got home, I'd had this amazing idea for bird wizards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's fantastic. And the next time I saw him, I said, I've had this great idea for bird wizards. And he went, oh, have you? Indeed. <laughs> have you? So that, that is the actual genesis. This is my friend mishearing what I was talking about. And then me claiming it was my idea. Um, but as soon as I had them in my head, it, I knew it. I, its personality was just there. It came with it in this kind of, it's quite angry, justifiably so. Um and eccentric and i wanted it to be not human in the way it works it doesn't think like a human it's not interested in, in the same things as humans it likes its things and they're particular to it and joran has to learn about that and, and find ways of working with it and i think in my head especially when i mentioned it to tom parker and we talked about it and he did some sketches for them and that kind of really solidified how how they look in my head. There's something a bit skexy about them, and something a bit um, uh, Maribou stalk and, and all these birds that are quite predatory and 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 rogues. I can see them in my head. And but yeah, that that's where he came from. That mishearing and then talking about it with Tom and Tom sending me some pictures. And those pictures went in with the first sort of version of the bone ships. To say that this is this is what we want to do, and, and it, from the and the, the leaf mask, I think is the real key to it. This sort of mask that he wears that creates something that's hidden. So you, you know, he's there, there's a secret there, which I, I found quite interesting, um, and that's where we came. I can't say, me, but Tom, uh, Tom dropped a lot today. <laughs> I, I hope. Well, I get I get him ten percent of all his everything he's paid. Every time I mention him, so yeah. surprised you like, his name on your shirt. <laughs> I, should, I, should have, I should have worn my. I've got a t-shirt. You can actually get a. Tom did a brilliant t-shirt which has got a mount skull on it, which is fantastic. You can get it from his Redbubble shop, um, and all the profits go to him because he's a porn star. I don't know if you guys realize this is all really just for Tom Martin's benefit. It has nothing it to is. do with. All but no, no i'm contracted to do this at least an hour-long advert for tom parker um, <laughs> and oh, oh he, he sends his his boys around to, to do me over i'm terrified he's a monster really <laughs> oh my gosh. um oh goodness <laughs> gracious. I, I could talk to you all day you make me laugh so much 
do you realize how hysterical you are? <laughs> well, no, because I'm with me all the time. I just find myself vaguely annoying, really. Just, I always think that if I met me, I'd just call you sharp. Please let me talk. And, Sure, I, I, uh, so I need to ask. Um, I know we talked a little bit off air. I know, and I know you've done it several times. Is there a bit of the bonus that you would like to read? It doesn't have to be a very long one. You probably already have one pre-planned because that's what you do. I and, always read uh, the same bit because everything else in it is really spoilery. But I'm losing oh, my voice. I thought you were <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always read this bit because the rest is terrible. I just don't want to. I'm just to give us another bit that I could just. I've not read it, so I don't know. <laughs> I just paid someone to write it for me. I don't know what's in it. Um, <laughs> right, hang on. I'll, I'll read this bit, which I always read. Um, and I'll okay. take out one of my headphones there so I can, I can hear myself <laughs> reading it. <laughs> Um, mm, which bit am I? This is where um, Joron, who, who is our hero, in very much, he's not very heroic. He's, he's a bit of a sad sack, um, a xenophobic sad sack, which was referred to in an interview, a review, of, which is, is actually correct. And, and anyway, this is the first time he meets um, Lucky Mayus, who, who is the kind of the heroic character of the books. Um, and they, it doesn't go particularly well for him. Give me a hat, a voice thick with the sea, a bird shriek, croak of command. The sort of voice you ran to obey had you scurrying up the rigging to spread the wings of your ship. And maybe, just maybe, on any other day, what she said, maybe he would have done what she had said and handed over his two-tailed chip wife's hat, which, along with the bright dye in his hair, marked him out as a commander though an undeserving one. But in the restless night of sleep, he'd been troubled by thoughts of his father and thoughts of another life, not a better life, not an easier one, but a sober one, one without shame, one in which he did not feel the pull of the sea hag's slimy hands trying to drag him down to, the, to his end. One of long days at the wing of a flute boat, singing of the sea and pulling on the ropes as his father glowed with pride at how well his little fisher boy worked the winds. Of long days before his father's strong and powerful body was broken, as easily as a thin barisque vine, ground to meet between the side of his boat and the pitiless hull of a bone ship. His hand, reaching up from the black water, a bearded face, mouth open as if to call to his boy in his final agonising seconds. Such strength, and it had meant nothing. So maybe he had for once woken with the idea of how wonderful it would be to have a little pride. And if there had been a day for him to give up the two-tailed hat of ship wife, then it was not this day. No, he said. He had to scrape the words out of his mind. And that was exactly how it felt. Like he drew the curve of a kernel blade down the inside of his skull. Words falling from his mouth, slack as mid-tide. I am shipwife of the tide child, and th this is my symbol of command. He touched the rim of his black two-tailed cap. I am shipwife, and you will have to take this hat from me. How strange it felt to say those words, those fleet words that he knew more from his father's stories of service than from any real experience. They were good words, though, strong words with a history, and they felt right in his mouth. If he were to die, then they were not bad final words for his father to hear from his place, deep below the sea, standing warm and welcome at the hag's eternal bonfire. He squinted at the figure before him, thoughts fought in his aching head. Which one of them had come for him? Since he'd become shipwife, he knew a challenge must come. He commanded angry women and men, bad women and men, cruel women and men. And it had only ever been a matter of time before one of his crew wanted the hat and the colours. Was it Barley who stood at the door hall of the Bothy? She was a hard one. Violent. But no, too small for her. And the silhouette of this figure wore its hair long, not cut to the skull. Canvy then. He was a man jealous of everything and everyone and quick with his knife. But no. The silhouette appeared female, undoubtedly so. No straight lines to her under the tight fish skin and feather. Quell then. She would make a move. And she could swim, so would have been able to get off the ship. He levered himself up, feeling the still, unfamiliar tug of the kernel at his hip. 
We fight then, said the figure, and she turned, walking out into the sun, her hair worn long, grey and streaked in the colours of command, bright reds and blues. The sun scattered off the fish skin of her clothing, tightly wound about her muscle body and held in place with straps. Hanging from these straps were knives, small crossbows and a twisting, shining, jingling assortment of good-luck trinkets that spoke of a lifetime of service and violence. Around her shoulders hung a precious feather cloak, and where the fish skin scattered the sunlight, the feather cloak hoarded it, twinkling and sparkling, passing motes of light from plume to plume, so each and every colour shone and shouted out its hue. I am going to die, he thought. I'm just going to read that a little bit because my voice is going. <laughs> That's completely fine. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, yeah, so so the next time we do this, you're going to have to do a Cribs episode. And then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get a, a hat that actually has Tom Parker's like logo on it. Yeah. And just walk around your house yeah. and with your giant coat on. I mean, you got to yeah, go all yeah, out. I will we have to do it in the winter so I can have all the windows open so I yeah. can wear that coat because it is so it's so cold, hot. <laughs> but it is generally quite cold here anyway because it's a massive old building. So, but not today. Not today. The rain stopped. Her. No. Oh, that's good. And the fireworks or and the fireworks have stopped. It was fireworks, not an invasion. Thank you. That's good. Not not an invasion yet. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really inconvenient. Exactly. Exactly. Tom says, thanks for representing me at the Tom Parker appreciation event. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Tom. You should oh, get him next time. You should get yeah. him and me at the same time. Absolutely. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's, we'll, 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 we'll make it a date. <laughs> he, he's in and Adrian. And Adrian. We'll get Adrian in here too. And Adrian. Yeah. Well, Adrian could just pop around. Yeah. 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 Mind you, we yeah. can't, of course, can't pop around because we're not allowed to do that. But I mean, yeah. I mean, bend the rules a little bit, right? <laughs> I'll just put a specs sheet on the couch. <laughs> well, RJ, uh, I'm going to let you uh, get back to the rest of your evening uh, with your family, but I appreciate you uh, taking the time out of the day to come and chat with me. It's always, it's always a blast talking with you on social media but it's it's nice to be able to chat with you uh and, and and thank you for joining in everybody yeah, yeah. everybody and uh, again uh bone chips is out now uh call the bone chips will be out november 24th hopefully um, or just cover soon now. yeah you can order it now though you can order it yeah is it gonna be in hardcover as well um i presume there will be a hardcover at some point yes okay. the, that kind of, oh Fighting start again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're just holding them off to the end of the interview. Um, I presume there will be. I don't know because I don't tend to get involved in the business. So I leave that all up to my agent. I just write yeah. books. You just, you just put words to a page and send them off, right? And then uh, sometimes hardcovers turn up. Well, sometimes things to sign turn up and then I have to sit and sign them all. Oh, sounds good, Argent. Yeah. The first one sold out, the hardcover sold out in a week, so I presume that they will want to do more in that case. Yeah, I mean, Orbit, uh, Orbit whenever they do their little hardcover releases, tend to do pretty well. Uh, I know uh, Books of Babel, uh, or Babel, however you want to say it, they sold out pretty quick for, for yeah. Bancroft, and yeah, those, uh, those don't last long, so yeah, make sure if you want a hardcover, you're one of the first ones to grab one. Yeah. Well, thanks, RJ, and uh, we'll uh, we'll chat again soon. We'll we'll get Tom in here. We'll try to maybe get Adrian in here, and uh, we'll all just have a dandy of a time. <laughs> thank you, Mr. David. Absolutely, thank you. We'll talk later. Talk later. Bye, everybody.